and welcome to another episode of Rainbow Road. My name is Travis Ryans. Joining me once again is our co-host, Mike Deneen. Mike, how you doing, buddy? I'm fantastic, Travis. How are you? I'm just great. Uh, trying to get back into working during the middle of a pandemic is certainly something. It's been an adventure. Mm-hmm. What have you been up to the past couple weeks with this break off we've been doing? You know what? A whole lot. I've just been... Uh... Uh, I've been tanning. Uh, you know, I've been organizing my uh, jewel case CDs. My books, all uh, they're all in the Dewey Decimal System now, so that's pretty been pretty good. Yeah, just feeling really productive uh, overall. Nice. Um, in addition to working, I've been listening to a new podcast. It's called Queer Quadrant, and it stars Brooke Solomon and Jordan Gustafson, who are joining us today. Guys, how you doing? Hey. Hello, hello. We are great. We are so well, honored to be You're speaking for here. yourself. Oh, okay. Jordan's not honored to be here, I <laughs> Oh, guess. no, no, no. De- honored to be here. Just, are we ever doing great at this time? I don't know. I think that's, oh. I think that's saying a lot. <laughs> I see. I see. But hey, look, I fully support organization of any kind. That is just like my bread and butter whenever I have a day off, whenever I need to relax. I'm like, let's find something in my apartment that I can organize. It's like you, you get it. ASMR. Yeah. Like if yeah. you actually were Dewey decimaling, I would be like, oh wow, you are just like Brooke. You walk into her apartment <laughs> and it's just overwhelming. No, but I shit you not. I just moved actually and I was considering arranging my books by like Dewey Decimal System by Dear like God. type within the genre. Oh I ended up just organizing them alphabetically, but I thought about it. Well, I thought about it. We, we got kicked off a podcast before it even started. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is kind of my problem with my video game collection is I don't know how to organize it because it's like, is it by system? Is it by release date? Is it by series? Thank mm. you, Kingdom Hearts, for screwing it up so that I could never possibly get it in order. Oh my god! Like it's. Uh, Do you oh. have a number? Like, are you like avidly trying to collect? Are you buying all the? Because I feel like everything's going digital now. So are you still trying to get like the physical copies or how um, do you feel? I try to do physical when it's an option for a lot of reasons. Uh, I think it's just important to have physical media for uh, preservation purposes. But also one of my favorite things about games is how I share them with my friends. I like being able to loan my games to a friend and let them play it and we get to have that experience together. Oh, oh and without physical copies, that's just not an option. So it's not that I can't buy digital. I've had to do it a lot for the Switch, but uh, whenever I can buy physical, I definitely try to. Uh, what about you guys? Oh, hardcore physical media. Are you kidding me? Jordan has 300 plus DVDs, yes. yeah, Blu-rays or something like that. Yeah. You said physical media and my ears perked up. I was like, oh, <laughs> hello. Someone similar. I had a couple of instances now where streaming services have messed with me. It happened most recently on Spotify where I, I noticed that some of my songs were disappearing from my playlists and not even like where they gray them out and they're like, oh, it's not in the catalog anymore, but they're just like gone. And I had to like dig a little bit to find the set to like show that they were they were still on the list but just not available and you lose a modicum of control in handing off your collection of favorites to this like third party it's let's just, let's be real it's not about it's about control <laughs> it is about control and like how fast licensing changes you know like how harry potter was on hbo max for what like 60 days before it was yeah, gone it was a hot minute exactly like it's like sometimes it's it's just more reliable to own your own copy of things that you like and then you always know where it is yeah and also some of my favorite episodes of stuff are being pulled because of cancel culture too like there are some episodes of 30 rock i went to watch the other day and uh <laughs> got these gaping holes in what would have otherwise been a complete season i do think it's really nice that we can find common ground of something that affects both of our mediums because rainbow road is a podcast about video games and queer quadrant is a podcast about queerness in movies 
So, uh, Brooke, Jordan, can you guys tell me a bit about the podcast? Um, yeah, you know, we talk about blockbuster cinema, all the cultural context of that blockbuster cinema, and pick it apart and, you know, tell you why your favorite four-quadrant blockbuster is maybe not as straight as you think it is. This is why I don't do the pitching, because you know, you're so good. <laughs> thank you, thank you. So, despite working in movies, I'm actually kind of dumb and did not realize what quadrant meant. Could you explain to us what you mean when you're saying the four quadrants? I was, yeah, thank you. I was just about to ask that question. <laughs> the four quadrants in question, um, they generally refer to males and females, both under 25 and over 25. So if you're a four quadrant movie, you're able to hit all four of those viewing demographics. But the four quadrants also sort of cover thematics, like, you know, group driven and personality driven stories like the Marvel movies, for example. There's usually a combination of innovation and nostalgia i.e. Star Wars or something. It's kind of like double A games. Yeah. Sort of. Actually. Or triple A. There it is. What yeah, a, it is triple you know, A. It's, but yeah. like, it's one of the leagues of, of games. It's one of the batteries. It's double A, triple A, nine volts. <laughs> what would be a nine volt game? A nine volt game? Uh, <laughs> Pokemon Go. Uh, <laughs> what would be a nine volt game? So it's like under 25 male, over 25 male, under 25 f- female, over 25 female, but then there's corollaries that sort of come with that territory as, as well. That's, that, that's exactly. my takeaway. Okay. Yeah, you can't make something that's too family friendly or like people over 25 can't go see it. You can't make anything that's like too edgy or R-rated because then like the kids right. won't be able to go see it and you have to make something that's like easily recognizable to everyone. So usually that transitions into like a very white bread kind of story or like cast you know like really skimping on diversity or like risks or like anything interesting because it's all about just getting that money doesn't mean that it can't be you know creative obviously every week on the podcast we talk about a movie that's hopefully at least a little bit interesting in one way or another but it's pretty much a safe bet that you're going to make your money back um which i think is where video game movies can often really come in because it's like a pre-existing property that people already like and are pretty much guaranteed to go see so they can usually turn a profit no matter the actual quality of the film. i mean i don't i think it's just like if you think about like a big blockbuster movie that's usually kind of what like a four quadrant is you know just like, like sort Lep- of like Leprechaun five in the hood the, the classic family classic <laughs> oh, duh. oh i mean i don't know a better four quadrant movie uh, billion dollars worldwide <laughs> nothing will ever tea. ever match i love iced tea it's like robert downey jr <laughs> then iced tea yeah, yeah. exactly <laughs> well it's funny. brooke you did mention video game movies which is actually what we brought you guys on to talk about today we figured it was a perfect uh, hybrid of what we cover and what you cover and what nobody's happy about and everyone loves a good takedown yes so. yeah well, i thought we were bringing them on to do impressions like iced tea impressions <laughs> so you're telling me i spent the next like my last three hours just in my room staring at a mirror prepping for like this this is not i don't want to talk video game movies i'm just gonna leave it's ridiculous oh my god so uh, we wanted to take a look at a couple different games uh that got turned into movies and sort of look at how that fits into the trend of video game movies because the history of them has been these sort of soulless cash grabs that are just designed to bank on the fact that well you played the game so we know you'll see the movie and like even at best it really ends up being cosplay as these characters, but not actually anything substantial out of a film. There are full podcasts dedicated to dissecting why they're not great, including 
Mackenzie Easton's podcast, one of our guests uh, from previous episodes, called Video Game the Movie the Podcast, uh, which you should also totally check out. Mike, can you think of any like specific video game movies that come to mind when I bring up the subject? Or? Oh, God. My friend loves The Witcher games, oh, okay. and I'm like, hey, dude, this, this is not a game I'm going to play, but he's like, let's watch the TV show. And watching the show... I think it's Henry Cavill who plays the yep. lead yeah, character. Yeah, is. And I understand, like I'm an actor myself, and I understand how you need to play that character to make him be true to the game, but it doesn't translate well at all. And you get this very cardboard, two-dimensional performance from Cavill, and it's just a really weird plot. And it sucks because the production value is great. I'm like, yeah, this is really pretty, but I'm just not really feeling like... It's very stoic, British. I, this is I'm the Witcher. And yes, and I, this is how I talk Pretty the whole movie. So we are yeah, doing no, voices. <laughs> I, you don't know the can of worms that you've opened, guys. <laughs> but I mean, this might be like an end of episode, quote unquote, thesis. But do you feel like TV might be the better? front for video game movies because i just keep thinking about like the upcoming like last of us series wait jordan this was and... literally my thesis well, for the end you know of the episode. it's funny because i got there first <laughs> i can see that um because it's like it just feels like video games you know traditionally longer narratives so it, it almost feels like they are more suited for tv that's a good question because i think that there are games that would lend themselves to movies i think there are games that would lend themselves to tv shows i know that this is a weird example because it's not even a video game but the harry potter series i always felt like would make a better tv show than a movie because of all the fun subplots that add richness and nuance to the world i think it might be better to have that in a tv show because the episode format mm -hmm. allows you to tell a bunch of stories in fact most tv shows have like an a story and a b story at least so i think that there are games that you just focus on the central plot. Here are the characters. Here's what the essence of the game is. And you just kind of want it to be a fun ride. Like, in my mind, the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. Like, <laughs> I got what I needed out of that because I wouldn't say that Sonic has, like, really deep lore. And maybe there are Sonic fans that are going to crucify me on Twitter for saying that. But I just feel like I'm like, yeah, he gets rings. There's Robotnik. It's fine. It's still better CGI than Cats got. So, hey, watch it. <laughs> no, that's true. <laughs> Sonic. I'm so excited to see you guys do a Cats episode. <laughs> oh, God, it's coming. Oh, yes. The horniest movie ever yes. made. It'll happen. I like the theory on the internet that uh, the Cats movie came out, and then that's when reality just kind of went to shit. Like, it was like the <laughs> Cats movie broke. released, yeah. and then yeah. everything no, it's, else, it's like true. the pandemic, and it was so I think we can trace it all back to that, the origin of that movie. <laughs> I do think that's the most solid thesis that I've, like, seen online for, like, why are things happening? All, it's cats. all cats it's the cats it's about movie. cats man well we did bring up yeah. sonic so why don't we talk about sonic because it was like kind of a touchstone for video game movies especially because uh, video game fans are a certain breed of people who can be a little bit mm -hmm, entitled mm -hmm. travis uh, careful Shh. careful what are, you, what are you doing i know it's our listeners but it's true and <laughs> the whole we demand a, a redesign of sonic and all these things and I'm not going to lie and say that I, I I did like the new Sonic design better, but this idea of getting to demand how content is created is so prominent and so prevalent in the video game community. Definitely not unique to video games, but also 
we can edit art after it's been created. I mean, I know there's like the Snyder Cut and don't get me started on the Snyder Cut. But when it comes to video games, we expect a patch. We expect there to be an HD remix. We expect there to be some edits made to the art after it's been done. And it's just kind of funny to see how that bled from one medium into the next. Um, So, uh, Brooke and Jordan, what did you guys think of the Sonic movie? Well, I feel like I was much more excited going in than I normally would be for a video game movie because of all the internet stuff that had gone down before. Because it's like, like you said, you see people complain on the internet so much, but this is like the first time that it actually worked, (laughs) which was just like crazy to me. I don't know, Jordan, what did you think? I was very excited by the trailer. Uh, I'm a James Marsden stan, and I like the, you know, James Marsden cars getting coffee with, you know, Sonic seemed like a decent enough premise. But then, like, you see the movie, I feel like they took the essence of his, not like the essence of his character, but it, look, I'm not going to say I'm a Sonic stan, <laughs> because, like, the only Sonic I really know is, like, the drive through But, <laughs> like, he's a character who's supposed to run fast, and he's kind of not running fast for the whole movie. Then when he does, it's sort of like a discount version of that scene from X-Men Days of Future Past. That's literally in it's, my notes. I'm sorry that I'm just <laughs> coming over. I'm just going to copy your homework. But it's so I true. Swear. They just ripped off that Quicksilver scene, like, multiple did, times. Yeah. Okay, but let's let's be real. That happens in cinema all the time. You know, yeah. when the Matrix movie came out? Yeah. And then we started yeah. seeing all the bullet time scenes in like every action movie subsequently. Mm-hmm. Speaking of Zack Snyder, it became, you know, his staple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's, uh, it is interesting because, I mean, Mike had mentioned the fact that there isn't a lot of Sonic lore. But what we do know is Sonic was created as a counterpart to Mario. Because we covered this in a previous episode talking about uh, High Score. He was created to not be family friendly. He was supposed to be edgy for teenagers. He was really hip and cool. Um, I couldn't have put on more of a white guy voice when I said that. Um, (laughs) So hip. It it sounded so hip. It sounded so cool. So hip, so cool. Almost as hip and cool as a blue hedgehog. He's got to connect with the kids. He's got to be, he's got to be hip. He's got to be with it. (sighs) I kind of like that that's not what they did though. Like he wasn't too cool for school. He was actually like lonely and sad. And Mm, I'm I'm not saying it was, you know, an incredible movie, but I, I do think it was a step in the right direction to not just feel beholden to that idea of what Sonic has to be based on, the cool factor, like yes. not just constantly throwing on a pair of shades after every line. Like it was, it was kind of, it was better than I expected. I'll say that much. Like taking, like, I guess like learning from the IP and kind of going with it versus trying to fit like within the confines of like what a Sonic story would be rather. Yeah, exactly. It's cool because it takes the idea of Sonic's persona at his inception and what that served at the time. And they were going for this like hip cool version but let's say you have someone whose guiding philosophy is just to be hip and cool and cooler than school and it's that actually is kind of an alienating experience you know if you have if you're just trying to be cool all the time because you don't really connect with anyone i I mean even though obviously sonic circumstances were different because he was like running from uh, like turmoil but i think that it sort of did take this idea of like oh, I, I'm like alienated and like by developing connections with people around me, I've like found a, a new way to orient myself and a new way to be. And uh, and I thought that made for a good watch in terms of video game movies, which was not something that I personally would often say about a movie. Like I said, I, I fell asleep halfway through Detective Pikachu. So <laughs> that's so interesting. That's cool. I like that read because Sonic is like, you know, by nature, it's, it has to be a fish out of water story because it's him in the real world. I just it's so 
crazy to see people build even like a 90 minute narrative out of like this little running hedgehog game yeah and it definitely is interesting also how they worked in a lot of references to the games while they were doing it i'm curious brooke have you played a sonic game before uh, i have not but i have watched some okay. playthroughs on youtube okay well actually okay so i'm curious then having not played it do you feel like there were some weird awkward moments because there were some moments where they were definitely like oh yep that's a reference to the game but i wonder how that hits for an audience that never played it um i mean i think like that is the problem one with a lot of four quadrant movies because of how like previously existing material based they are mm-hmm. they want to try to please everyone all at the same time and so like it can't be too referential but it has to be like referential enough that people will get it and i mean no matter how hard you try to hit like a happy medium i don't really think you're ever going to get there i will say i don't think sonic like bumped for me too much in terms of like i felt like there were too many or too few references and obviously i got some of them like i know the rings isn't there like a knuckles mid-credits tease or something for like the i next didn't movie? see one i mean there's definitely like a sequel bait at the end with dr robotnik actually looking like he does in the games like shaving himself bald with the glasses oh, yeah, 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 and the big yeah, mustache yeah, at, at the end yeah the boss fight mm-hmm. is sonic actually curling himself up into a ball and jumping up and down on top of the enemy which i'm like that's cute that's a way of like bringing in what worked in the game and still making it it didn't feel too awkward or forced to me in that moment because how else is Sonic without like a gun going to take down Dr. Robotnik's <laughs> machine? So it was, I don't know. Like I thought it was kind of cool. We also see, I think we see a little bit of tails, right? Did we? Oh, yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. tails. That's what it was. I didn't see tails. It's like he what? flies in at like the very end. Yeah, he emerges from a ring portal in search of Sonic. Okay, I guess I was just done once credits. Am, am, I, am, am I making that up? No, thought, that sounds like the thing they would do. Love it. Quite, this is an open question to anyone. Who would you like to play Tails? Ooh. I, uh, you can pick any actor. You can even pick Ice-T. But I, I don't think he'd be a good fit. <laughs> you, oh, fuck, you know what? You just Sorry, gave no, me I... my pick. Thank you. It is Tails. <laughs> I feel like you put it out there, but do you have like a secret yearning to play Tails? Uh, and or do you have someone you desperately want as Tails? Mike for Tails 2020. I don't, but I would, uh, I would, he, I would do Tom Holland as Tails. So I was just I, thinking I would, the same ooh, thing. Yeah. Tom Holland. I was just thinking that. <laughs> I feel like yeah. he has like that y- y- spunky kind of young, young... You know, the little brother vibe, because if you were ever a little brother playing Sonic, you got given tails like you were yeah. not going to get oh, to play yeah. player one. Yeah, exactly. it's just spies in the skies part two. Yeah, <laughs> no, I like the Tom Holland. So we've talked about Sonic now. Uh, let's go to his counterpart, Mario, and let's talk about the one video game movie that sort of kicked off the rest of them. That is oh, Super God. Mario Brothers 1993. Yes. Uh, oh my God, that movie! Goodness gracious! C- you know, cinema it had been invented before. You know, like you have the Lumiere Brothers and all that good jazz. But then this movie comes out and it just says, "You know what? No, this is the start of movies." <laughs> you got Bob Hoskins as Mario. You got John Leguizamo as Luigi. Uh, also. His name is Luigi Mario. Like his last yep. name is also. That's why they're the Mario Brothers. Mario. Oh my gosh. This movie's crazy. <laughs> uh, you got Dennis Hopper as Bowser. Uh, you know, who else is in it? Fiona Shaw is playing Le- Lena or Lena or whatever. It's just the creative choices in this are so batshit. It's just Bob Hoskins being himself from Roger Rabbit, but without like, a, you know, a good story or like the Goombas being crocodile men. Question, question mark. mark you know like none of it actually feels like a mario game and like mario doesn't really jump it's just the most obscure weird piece of movie 
maybe ever. And like, I just think it's so crazy that this was basically the dawn of video game movies and they immediately went for like the gritty, absurd take instead of like, you know, a very standard, like, let's make it like a kid's movie. They were like, no, 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 this isn't your your regular Mario. This is yeah. dark Mario. Mario, but strippers. Exactly. <laughs> so it came out in 1993, I think. Yeah, that's correct. The 80s was like so many practical effects. So you get, I think we're seeing a lot of that. Uh, it was after Ghostbusters. Reportedly, the they were trying to go for somewhere between like Ghostbusters and The Wizard of Oz, which is like a weird and dark orientation in terms of building a cinematic, quote unquote, masterpiece. Well, see, that's what's um, interesting about this movie is that originally it was something completely different. And that's why they got some of the actors they did like Bob Hoskins, because it was supposed to be this like fear and loathing in Las Vegas kind of road movie about the Mario brothers finding themselves and learning class consciousness and things like that. It was going to be like this whole thing about them being working class and taking down president Koopa. And like, (laughs) you can see that the elements of those things popping up randomly, but the studio got terrified and said, no, 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 no. We can't have that. None of that is family friendly or accessible. It's not for quadrant. (laughs) Exactly. So they came in and they messed with it. And I'm not saying that the original product would have been better, but it might have been more consistent, at least. Whereas this is just a mess. This is a campy mm-hmm. mess of a film. Everyone reportedly hated working on it. Essentially, it was constantly being rewritten, and no one knew what exactly was going on. So they would just have the lines fed to them, essentially, and then they would regurgitate them back. There was no planning. There was no forethought. There was no craft at work here. <laughs> this was just a mess all the way through. Yikes. The practical effects are kind of insane, though. Yeah, yeah. right? Like, the the detail that went into something that is so messy is really impressive. It's definitely a world. I don't know if it's a good world. <laughs> I hate that they were like, let's, like, go, like, low-key Blade Runner to make <laughs> this happen. The production designer is the production designer from Blade Runner. Oh, wow. So that's why you're seeing it. There we go. Like, Incredible. It. it is weird to see this almost, like, kind of cyberpunk feel to Mario, which is this fantasy world of mushrooms and dinosaurs. It is very weird. But we got Twink John Leguizamo. So, I mean, like, it's not the worst thing. Yeah. Who has a rainbow belt for some reason. He certainly oh, does. I think we know the reason. I think we know. <laughs> Luigi's having a little bit of fun on the side. You don't know what's going on in that little ghost mansion or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. Just the idea that they're going to, like, transplant all of the Mario characters to basically, like, futuristic New York. Yeah. I can't imagine how many mental somersaults the production team had to do to figure out how this would even work in the first place, much less, like, actually go through with it and execute it. Like I said, it's it's inconsistent. And I think one of my favorite quotes, jumping back again to Mackenzie's podcast, was they were discussing that club scene. With the strippers and Big Bertha and the dance scene. Yes. And yes. they had said, and I just have to quote it here, we were like, I don't know if the directors knew this was a gay club, but everyone else there knew that this was a queer club. <laughs> like, everyone knew that that's the vibe of this place. Yep. Of course. That, like, keeps popping up. Like, a director would be like, oh, yeah, like... I didn't know that that was gay. And then everyone else is just like, yeah, like, duh, this is gay. Like, what world are you living in? Like, of course it is. Like, you're the director. How do you not know? Oh, my God. I do got to say that I really like the 
Big Bertha thing. Like, she's a larger woman. She's a black woman. Um, maybe kind of trans-coded. It's really not clear. Uh, and the whole dance sequence is, you know, him trying to steal this necklace off of her. But it's never played up for laughs in this way of, like, ha ha ha, look at her, she's fat, she's ugly. Like, it's just the silliness of pretending yeah. to dance while trying to steal it. Like, I, I liked the framing of that, that it wasn't as, like, punched down as it very easily could have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I feel like the actors, you know, this is like a sort of a rare instance of a horrible movie where the actors are still trying their best to save it. Like, at least nobody is really checked out. Like, Bob Hoskins is trying his best (laughs) going for it he's going for it it's the most you could ask for someone you know it's it's nice to sort of see that you're like okay even if we reject this movie we can embrace you know the cast and like maybe some of the things that it was trying to do at the time even though on the whole it's obviously like a huge mistake yeah it was a a critical and financial failure oh it was a disaster (laughs) what it made back like half its budget so much so that they didn't even make another uh, live action video game film until Detective Pikachu in 2019. So well, no, no, they've made plenty of what Mike? based on a Nintendo property. Oh, based on Nintendo. Uh, sorry. Nintendo. Yeah, yeah. That's I'm they being Nintendo. Are you sorry. excited for the Nintendo world that's coming to the Universal theme parks? This is not a plug. Just curious. <laughs> They're not paying you. I. You, if they want to, I'd like to. If we can ever visit ever other countries, oh again. well, yeah, that's never going to happen. But like the idea of like Mario fits better in a theme park world, like being able to like ride Rainbow Road, or like you know what I mean. Like it feels built for like experiences instead of like watching something like a narrative play mm-hmm. out. You know? Yeah, you can make it interactive at least a little bit. And if you're not completely interactive, at least it's like, you know, something three-dimensional and something that you're actually like in the world of. Right. Is this like a Martin Scorsese comment on theme park movies or uh, perhaps? I, you know, maybe he's our wokest <laughs> king, so. We're big Scorsese stands in this household. Yes. So then there's been a couple of others that we wanted to talk about. Like, for instance, Tomb Raider, which came out in 2001 with Angelina Jolie and then the later again. And I want to say it was 2016 with Alicia Vikander. Um, 2018, I believe. Oh, Honestly, didn't even know it existed until uh, you guys mentioned it. Or like, oh, which Tomb Raider? I'm like, well, I, I guess I want to do the first, not the sequel with Angelina Jolie. OG. Matt's like, no, no, there's a second one. You can't one. replace Angelina Jolie. <laughs> you cannot replace Angelina Jolie. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't know who thought... That casting, what's her face? I'm sure she's a lovely girl. I'm sorry, Academy Award winner, (laughs) Alicia McCandler. I'm sure she's a lovely Academy Award winning girl, (laughs) but you cannot replace Angelina Jolie. This is some Tomb Raider slander. Full stop. I actually, I think that like, it's so interesting to look at like, you know, there's two versions of Tomb Raider. It's the first big like reboots of a video game movie. The fact that they like didn't do anything anything different and if anything made it like blander whoa hold up <laughs> i mean i like tomb raider with alicia hold. i not gonna say i stand it but i'm gonna say i had like a little bit of fun with it did you have more fun than the angelina jolie version i think so Ooh. okay all right i like i lo- like jolie's like my number one like i love her but i feel like tomb raider's got enough of the indiana jones flash you know mm-hmm. and then like the new tomb raider game was kind of fun 
So it like fit within the kind of like the gritty quote unquote confines. But I mean, the Jolie one is camp fun. Yeah, so. I think it's very easy to draw a parallel between Tomb Raider 2001 and Tomb Raider 2018 and look at like how video game movies have changed. Yeah. Like in the 90s, yeah. early 2000s, it was all about like ridiculousness and over the top and triangle camp. boobs. Exactly. <laughs> like crazy that they did that. Crazy. And then you look at like Tomb Raider 2018 and it's more like, okay, now video games are basically like, how do we pack the premise into a really standard actioner? Like, how do we sort of like run it through the blockbuster processor and like spit it out the other end and like make it work the way that you're going to expect to see any big summer blockbuster? It reminds me of like Jumanji sort of where it's like, we'll take some adventure. We'll take some A-listers. We'll take some quips. We'll take a high concept premise and we'll shove it all together into like a CGI machine. And that'll be a movie for you. CGI machine. (laughs) 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 Like I I like imagine just a bunch of people just like with buckets, just dumping something into like a Willy Wonka-esque thing that's like has moving parts and just are. Exactly. And like spitting out some sort of movie. Yeah. What I think is really funny is that consistently looking at all these different video game movies, the CGI has been kind of awful. Like we talked about how Sonic had to be remade. Uh, some of the CGI effects in Mario were awful. Oh, Lara God, Croft, yeah. Tomb Raider, like the original with Angelina Jolie, some of the CGI does not hold up at all. Oh, no, no, like no. you can see the frame rate settering on it. And it's funny to me that we're adapting out of a medium that lives and dies on its computer graphic images. Yep. And then into another medium where it's so bad it's yeah, like with it's assassin's so creed bad. like the assassin's creed trailers always get me like emotional because i'm like oh and then it's never from the game engine itself but you're always like oh my god like these trailers rule like i totally want to buy this game like consistently year by year assassin's creed plays me mm-hmm. but then you get the assassin's creed movie from like the guy who did one of the most beautiful looking movies of like the past decade Macbeth, and then you get the assassin's creed movie and it's just like like a freaking wet like towel you know what i mean it just doesn't look that <laughs> yep. good cgi goop. sorry it's yeah. a what yeah a wet towel a wet towel it's a wet towel of a movie yeah it's been like <laughs> sitting out in the sun at like a pool Ew. You know, it's got some bacteria <laughs> covid's probably coming onto it i don't know idea you leave it oh in your bag God. too long it gets a little moldy oh yeah oh yeah it makes everything sort of smell in the gym bag you know it's awful it's true yeah. it's like it, i mean like you said jordan it's all about like taking these like beautiful iconic images from the game and just whiffing them so hard on screen triangle boobs that's all well, i have to say yeah. did you feel like there was a difference in sort of like the mm, feminist portrayal of laura between angelina jolie's laura and alicia vikander's because i feel like i mean just with the original it was very like late 90s kind of feminism um mm-hmm. even though it was 2001 it was this idea of like oh, yeah. she just has to be the baddest bitch possible but also at the same time it knows well enough to sexualize daniel craig and give us a shower scene with him <laughs> so like oh my god that shower scene right oof, oof. <laughs> They each got a shower scene in the movie. Like, they each got one. It's so funny to me. That's true feminism right there, is two shower scenes instead of one. Or zero. Um, That's what we want. That's the Bechdel test, right? With Depending if a woman is having a shower and there's no man that comes... Wait, no, I'm getting... Sounds like you got a new podcast cooking up right now. The shower test. The Bechdel test? If there's... Oh! Yeah. (laughs) 
If there's a gratuitous shower scene featuring a woman, there also must be a gratuitous shower scene featuring her featuring male love interest. Yeah. yeah. I love I it. Every Bond movie might pass just because it's one sex scene, but everyone's in the shower. Daniel Craig loves those showers. He loves he's showering. A, he's a clean cut guy. Except in Skyfall where it was this woman blatantly lays out how she's oh my been God. sexually abused by men her yep. whole life. And then he yep. walks into the shower without consent to start sleeping with her. And it's like, oh, yep. What are you doing? That movie is pitch perfect, pretty much. Also very gay. Um, Facts. And then that one scene, you're just like, no, like erase that scene. And you got like a five out of five perfect movie. But no, you need to have Bond fucking someone. So they throw it in there. I don't think that it's like so great. The feminism in Tomb Raider 2018. It's definitely more like the studio wanted it to seem like it was a more feminist ah. reboot. You know, her her clothing is a lot more tactical. I mean, Angelina Jolie is obviously like in extremely good shape <laughs> in the 2001 movie, but it was a lot about like Alicia Vikander's training and like her weapons expertise and more about like, you know, she's capable and it's it's very practical. Um, but I, you know, at the end of the day, all I want to see is a woman raid some tombs, you know, like... <laughs> doesn't have to be so galaxy brain. Yeah, no, that's very fair. You want to see a woman raise some tombs and uh, and have and have showers. <sighs> shower shower cast 2020. Uh, the last movie that we want to talk about is the one that Mike fell asleep during, which was Detective Pikachu. <laughs> Boo. Am I am I the only one here who kind of liked it? Guys. No, it's so good. Not actually so good. It's fun. Something you might not know about Pikachu is that he's very small and very fluffy. And sometimes what else? when he's in a car, he has to ride in a baby seat. But what else? He You're missing a key ingredient. A little hat. <laughs> yes. That's what makes the is movie. getting emotional. I am. It's, it's interesting. Brooke is yeah, Brooke, sobbing okay? right now. Tears are coming <laughs> down her idea. face. He's so cute. The Bulbasaur <laughs> healing scene like fully made me tear up. Yeah, yeah. actually same. Bulbasaur Honestly. so much. Yeah. Bulbasaur great. I want to like live within like the world of the Pokemon in this. Like all of their scenes are so wholesome and fun. And then when you get the character, like the human stuff, you're like, I could go without it. You know, when you have Charizard fighting Pikachu, like everything, those things are great. But then when Catherine Newton comes in, like a hard hitting journalist, like I'm going to solve the case. It's just like, Oh, Okay. Oh, see, I like the humans in Detective Pikachu because I think that they're the right age for human characters in a video game yeah. movie. Mm. Unless, you know, it is something like, uh, I would say like Tomb Raider um, or Assassin's Creed where it's like an action-y game. But the fact that the co-star in Sonic, James Marsden, is like a 40-year-old man was just, I Love. mean, look, we're, I'm always happy to see James Marsden, but I was like, why is this not about like a kid, an 18-year-old? Yeah. <laughs> it was a hop sequel. Don't invoke hop. Oh, God. We did not talk about James Marsden in that tight, tight t-shirt that said San Francisco on it, which might be the gayest thing in all four of these movies. <laughs> I think it's a pretty solid contender. We're not exactly be. working with much. I mean, we do have bisexual icon Justice Smith. Well, I just as... like to listen to Ryan Reynolds' voice. Oh, that is very true. Th- yeah. I think that's why I fell asleep, actually, is because I find listening to Ryan Reynolds so soothing. Uh, in any <laughs> really? role. Do you put Deadpool on and just nap? Is that kind of yeah. like your like music in the background? Yeah, true cool. story. I Up until very recently, I had a, a painted picture of Deadpool in my bedroom. Yeah, and it would look at me and, and I would I would you know fall fall asleep to it watching over me, and imagine that it was Ryan Reynolds behind the mask and 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 wishing that me is well. the weirdest version weird? of Pika at ASMR <laughs> I have ever heard of. Like, 
<laughs> Travis, you invoked bisexual icon Justice Smith briefly, which I would just like to say, yes, it's fabulous. And I love him. And I think he should be yeah, in everything. He's great. He, he is great. He manages to hit that adorkable note that a lot of people try to hit in films and don't do very well with. It's like, look at me. I'm so quirky and weird. Yes. Uh, and he, he's not that. He's just awkward uh, in a really charming and likable way uh, that I really like. And I feel like he did a much better job than James Marsden did. Oh, for trying sure. Trying to create that dynamic of a a cartoon character across from him and i feel like that that moment uh by the fountain now where he's like oh i bet if your pa- father would hear he would hug you so hard your bones would pop i'm like oh that actually makes me really Aww. sad <laughs> like, it was so tender yeah also like then bill nye giving like an incredible performance like they're all like they are giving good performances in that movie i'm a real katherine newton stan too um i will pretty much see any movie if she's in it i really like her call to like the neo-noir aesthetic like she really fits in with that like yeah i feel like if we didn't have at least one character who was trying to ham it up like that that it wouldn't fit with the the design that they had for it so i really like Mm. that that kind of meshes us into the world a little bit better i feel like the world was super easy to get into seeing all of you know the the pokemon just roaming around in the world building like actually felt somewhat normal yeah for sure it feels thought out it feels like they they thought about what was going to happen they like they really they tried to integrate it integrate pokemon seamlessly into how they might appear in the real world which i thought was cool they're yeah. fluffy <laughs> they're fluffy <laughs> i'm really passionate about it <laughs> i like that it is entrenched in like a very specific world too where it's like sonic is basically just in america you know the it's like middletown usa exactly like i like that they gave detective pikachu this whole sort of like neon soaked city like you said kind of tapping into the noir whodunit of it all um i think it was a very smart idea to sort of elevate the movie into something a little more you know like genre bending a little more world heavy than just like very cash grabby very like down the middle yeah for sure it was filmed on actual film uh, and people not familiar with the difference, but like film has a unique look with film grain and the way that it catches the light and things like that. And that's why some directors are still very adamant on using it, while, whereas others don't really think it makes that big of a difference and it's much too difficult to film with. Um, but uh, this director thought that it was very crucial for the noir aesthetic to have that. And what they did is after they put in the like CGI Pokemon, they layered film grain over them to make them Hell look yeah. like they were part of the world. It made it feel so much more natural and cohesive as a as an image on screen, uh, yes. which I thought was really cool. Like, that's that's really thought out and, like, is a good way of trying to blend, uh, trying to make that work. 100%. I mean, it looks good for, you know, how big of a budget it does. Like, all the CG does work, I think. I like the size the Pokemon are. I like, like how, how they so- move. I have a question. Do you like how soft they are, too? I do. Are they fluffy? They're so fluffy. <laughs> I feel like it was the property that made me be like, oh, okay, I guess I do want to catch Pokemon. Like, I do want to be a Pokemon trainer. Catch them all? You gotta. <laughs> you got to. So, Jordan, I've got a question for you. Oh, God. One that I, I, I just completely came up with on my own. Oh, no. Yes. Uh, do you feel like video game movies are better served as TV shows rather than... <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, I had that in my notes, and I was going to bring that up. But now that you, you know, <laughs> took that, uh, yes, 100%. <laughs> I feel like this is a good time for both Jordan and I to talk about how excited we are for The Last of Us yes, yes, on HBO. It. Wow. Oh, my God. I think it has the chance to be an actual, like, very good adaptation just because that world is so specific. And because it's actually going to have, like, 
quality control you know yeah i think it's like the best of both worlds where the last of us is already like a pretty short gameplay like what's the original like 18 20 hours something like that about that yeah yeah Yeah, like it's really short and so you know you think about that over let's say 12 episodes that's like almost real time right um and so much happens in that game and it's so story-based and i feel like that is still a rarity in video games to like have something that is that focused in and like not open world at all i just think it's like a really good mesh of like you said jordan quality control with hbo and like the ability to really hone in on the story and the characters and knowing that you already have such a solid base there you don't have to really worry about how things are going to adapt because i mean it's basically you know a glorified interactive movie or tv show already totally mike you only just played last of us a couple months ago what do you think of them turning it into a tv series for hbo i think hbo is the right place for that to become a television show i've just noticed that yeah anytime hbo puts their rich little hands on any (laughs) ip it does well production wise i mean even if like you know thinking (laughs) they tanked the ending to game of thrones fine but like it was still a a relatively well-produced show you know i just watched raised by wolves uh also amazingly well produced i think that if there were going to be a home for last of us uh to go to to have that same uh, the gritty realness uh, that we've come to know and love from the games. And uh, it's also the right place for the nuances of the relationships between the characters to serve as yes. front and yes, center. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, for sure. You know, bread and, we said bread and butter like three times this episode, but you know what I mean? Like, it's, <laughs> You're just a little hungry for some toast. <laughs> I, I guess so, yeah. I, we've all been there. <laughs> I did, I, you know, I only ate half my breakfast, but... Um, I, I, yeah, I think HBO is the right place for it. So I think uh, I'm excited to see what comes of it. And did they have they cast the have they cast for it yet? Not they have yet. not. That was actually I was wondering. Do you guys have any like dream casting? Daphne Keen. Yeah, Daphne Keen would make. A I great was gonna say Ellie. Daphne Keen, or also I right? think McKenna Grace would be awesome too. The star of every recent like younger version <laughs> of characters. Yes. <laughs> Who do you want as Joel? Um, I don't know that I have a Joel. Carl Bon. Carl, Carl Urban? Carl Urban? I think he would make Carl it. Urban would be fine. I like Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Maybe oh, he's a no, he's, little he's like old. Too, he's like, that's like too on type. I feel like you need a sad boy, so I'm going to go with like a, a Ben Affleck or... No. Oh, you grow Ben Affleck's hair out. It's star... Hey, hey, The Last of Us does start in Boston. It does. <laughs> huh? Huh? And he's going to have like a friggin' Red huh? Sox hat on the whole time. Like, ugh. oh my God, I would, oh my God, you're, this is the show Taylor made for me. Oh my God. The least surprising <laughs> casting you've ever suggested. You know what would be the most surprising casting is Ellen Page. Oh my God. But see, I would <laughs> she, she love, too similar to I would love if she like popped up somewhere. Ellie actually is 32. She just <laughs> is saying that she's 12. It's like the orphan. She's like, I'm 10. Hey, they, do, they can do one with CGI de-ageifying yeah True. I love that we're going so. into a physical medium of like real people just to CGI them back again <laughs> yes yes be the ultimate future media project it's Alita Battle Angel I could actually see um, Hugh Jackman but I, you Ooh. can't do that oh, yeah. and, that's the, you can't do reunion? him and Daphne Keene you can't do both of them right. otherwise it's just that movie then right uh, no 100% but like also would be down for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah alright well I think it's uh, us running out of time for today we'll do have to wrap it up but before we go we want to ask our classic age-old question uh we'll start with you jordan jordan what you playing i have recently cracked back open the ps2 
And so I did a replay of The Simpsons Hit and Run. And I had never actually beat the story when I was a kid because I would either get bored or not save and feel very proud of myself. You know, this game from what, 2004? But hey, we're here. We're thriving. So, you know, quarantine is just making me a child again. So I love it. We're all regressing in one way or another. Exactly. (laughs) Of course. Brooke, what about you? What's your plan? So I am uh, not a big gamer. And I'm glad this question is at the end of the podcast. So people will have already listened and can cancel me (laughs) retroactively. I have been watching a lot of Assassin's Creed Odyssey playthroughs on YouTube because it's basically like my dream game. Um, You can be gay and you can be in ancient Greece and like... I really don't need anything else. So I've been I've been watching a lot of the playthroughs. Um, I also quite frequently play a lot of Bubble Popper, which is an oh app God. on my phone, which calms me down when I'm feeling a little stressed. So that is basically the apex of my gaming experience. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and uh, leave now. <laughs> no, Let's Plays and Twitch and all those things are completely valid ways to enjoy the medium. Mm-hmm, That's just, mm-hmm. it's not the designed or intended method, but it's part of the community. Like that's like saying that someone who is visually impaired or has to use captions or things like that can't enjoy film, which is just not true. Right. Like people will enjoy them in different ways. And anyone who's going to gatekeep like that can get the heck off our show. So don't worry about it. Travis, that was beautiful. Hell yeah. Beautiful. Uh, Mike, what you playing? Uh, I'm gatekeeping uh, as many people as possible. <laughs> uh, and so, is that a game? No, I'm just kidding. I'm, uh, I'm playing. I got the new Tony Hawk. Oh. Uh, it's really good. Ooh, it's really fun. Really, really fun. I really am enjoying it. I also got uh, Avengers, the role playing game. Oh boy, not as fun. Um, I haven't really got into it, but it has uh what effectively looks like all the Marvel characters stunt doubles as the protagonist. Yeah. But worse, but like worse. I don't understand why they would do that. I guess. Cause you, they couldn't buy the rights to the actual Marvel actors likenesses or something. Yeah, probably. Yeah. Like, I, I don't, it's I, like your mom saying we've got Avengers at home and those are the Avengers you have at home. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Oh no. <laughs> Chanel versus Walmart. <laughs> so I wouldn't, I but you know, I still haven't gotten into it, but yeah, Tony Hawk. Amazing. Love it. Two thumbs up. Get it. Buy it download it love it the music the playing it's amazing awesome oh well myself uh, personally uh, oh sorry go ahead mike travis can you not interrupt me i wanted to ask you what you're playing oh well thank you mike <laughs> um i didn't forget and then remember <laughs> i've actually got a game uh that brooke should be checking out uh, if she's going to be streaming stuff because she wants something that's greek and gay Ooh. uh i've been playing hades <gasps> hades is mm. so much fun i am a huge roguelike fan i love roguelike games and this game is about playing as Prince Zagreus of the Underworld trying to escape the Underworld uh, and the various gods trying to help him in his plan to escape and beat his father Hades. Oh, shit. Uh, this sounds fucking dope. It is so much fun. It is so horny. All of the gods are so sexualized and also so petty towards each other, which is perfect. Oh, Brooke, there you oh go. My it sounds God. delightful. You have no idea how excited I am. Yeah, check it out. The voice acting is also phenomenal. Like, it's just it's a great time. It's a great time all around. And I think that's going to do it for us today. Uh, thank you so much to Brooke and Jordan for joining us. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, that was very, very exciting. Uh, and where can we find you guys? Yes, um, you can find us on Twitter. I am at Brooke B. Solomon. At Jordan H. Gus. And we are together at Queer Quadrant. Um, you can find us on Spotify and Apple and wherever else you get your podcasts. And uh, we would love to to hear from you guys you can cancel brooke for not playing enough video games as well (laughs) yeah that's fine i'll accept that
All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Mike. As always, thank you so much. Ta-ra. <laughs> well, I don't know what that was. <laughs> maybe we should go do a collab with another podcast. Oh, I don't know. Like maybe wow. maybe we should or something. Do I don't know. We, we hint, do hint. All right. We will see you guys next time. This has been Rainbow Road. If you liked this episode, follow us on Twitter at Rainbow Road Pod or get in touch with us for future episodes at Rainbow Road Podcast at gmail.com. And a big thank you to all of our guests today and our producer, Matt Kennar. Thanks for listening to Rainbow Road.